Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Advocates Academy. The Advocates Academy is brought to you by the Women and Gender Resource Center at the University of Alabama. I'm Lizzie Smith, and I'm your host. The Advocates Academy is a podcast for students, faculty, and staff who are looking for ways to engage in advocacy and social justice work on their campus, in their career, and in their day-to-day lives. Today, I'm speaking with Rachel Jakovac. Rachel is a student leader at the WGRC, and she's involved in several of our leadership and advocacy programs. We're going to be chatting about Sexual Assault Awareness Month today, and we're specifically going to focus on ways that you, as a listener, can be an advocate for survivors and victims in the month of April and beyond. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. It's spring. It's pretty outside. The weather's beautiful today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, so nice. Um, I spent most of the morning working outside just because it was so pretty. Oh, yeah. I haven't gotten a chance to go sit in the sun yet, but I'm going to after this. Do it. Do it. Um, Okay, cool. So, Rachel, would you uh, take a minute and just tell us about yourself? What do you do at UA? What's What's your background? Who are you? Okay, so I grew up in Montana, but I go to school at UA now. I'm a sophomore, and I'm studying political science and marketing with a minor in public policy, and I'm hoping to go to law school and eventually move on to maybe be like a civil rights attorney, go into politics, and um, I spend most of my time on campus doing work centered around the Women and Gender Resource Center, so I'm an ambassador for them. Um, I've done work with IDEAL, which is intentionally diversifying engagement and leadership. I helped plan Ready to Run, which was a super cool event. Um, I basically just like spend my time working there, tabling, helping out, just whatever they need. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Well, I'm so glad to have you on the show today. And uh, we're here to talk about Sexual Assault Awareness Month and strategies for advocating for victims and survivors. Um, So could you start by just telling us about Sexual Assault Awareness Month at UA? Um, Why do we observe it? How do we observe it? All of that good stuff. Interpersonal violence is this umbrella term that encompasses sexual assault, domestic violence, and stalking. And it primarily affects women and it especially affects people on college campuses. And so having a resource like the Women and Gender Resource Center is so important to recognizing this problem and working with ways to solve it and to help survivors out there. So basically, Sexual Assault Awareness Month is bringing awareness to this issue. We've done tabling. We've had events and trivia nights. And it's such a widespread issue, especially for young people. And so this month is basically just to bring awareness to that. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Okay. So you mentioned that um, intimate partner violence or interpersonal violence um, and all of the kind of the things that go into that are um, particularly pertinent to kind of be aware of on college campuses. Can you tell us more about that? What is it about, um, I guess, uh, about the culture or climate or circumstances of being on a college campus that make this form of awareness so important? Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, it's being at college is just a concentration of a lot of young people very close together. And so we aren't as educated on issues like this as an older demographic would be. And so when we're going through these like sometimes first relationships, these learning new things and meeting new people, there are different things that we don't know about that can happen. 
And I know especially that I didn't know anything about the scope of domestic violence when I first got here. It wasn't until that I was trained by the WGRC that I actually understood what domestic violence even was. And so bringing that education and giving resources to people who have gone through something like that is such an important thing here because many of us don't understand it, especially like the concepts of what emotional abuse looks like. Um, a lot of college students don't truly understand what consent looks like. And so bringing that education and those resources is really pertinent for us. As we're talking about education and why this is so important, Rachel, can you tell us what does advocacy and support of survivors and victims look like on a personal scale? Yeah, yeah. When I first got into starting to be passionate about advocacy for survivors, it was really intimidating. I was looking at this giant issue like um, the Me Too movement happened a few years before and I was like, this is something that happens to a lot of people. Where do I even begin? But I think the biggest step for me was learning how to be a good friend because odds are someone you know has gone through something like this and being able to support them and being able to be there for them when they're going through a tough time is one of the biggest acts of advocacy that you can do is just listening and supporting your friend. And um, moving on from there, I just started taking little steps forward. It, I went from helping my friends out to helping myself out to starting to take more time at the WGRC, starting to understand the resources that we have on campus and beyond and becoming a voice for those. Because I think oftentimes interpersonal violence is an issue that we have a tough time articulating. And so many times we just don't talk about it at all. So starting that conversation was just a huge part of advocacy for myself. Um, and then, so you were talking about kind of engaging on this advocacy on a personal scale and what it means to be a good friend and a good listener and supporter. Um, so before we move on from that point, I'd like to take a minute and just ask you what, uh, what tips or, um, or suggestions would you have for somebody who wants to be that personal advocate? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure it's intimidating to a lot of people out there just as it was for me. And the biggest thing I can say is just to start like learning and learning how to be a good listener because there are a lot of people out there who are speaking on this. And so if you learn how to listen to what they're saying and take their words and put them into your daily life, just to be an advocate, to shut down negative conversations surrounding this topic, to listen to your friends, that makes a world of difference. And right now we're going through something called the shadow pandemic, which is basically just a fancy term for an influx of domestic violence due to stay at home orders. And so we probably, you probably haven't heard of this term. A lot of people haven't, but it's such an important thing to look at, especially right now is to how to see those signs and be there for the people around you. Thank you. Um, okay, and then, you know, we're talking Sexual Assault Awareness Month is kind of one of those months that encompasses a bunch of different forms of assault and abuse. And you mentioned uh, domestic violence. So do you have any suggestions 
for people who might be listening today, if they believe that someone that they love or care about is experiencing this, how can that person reach out and help if, if they think that they know somebody who is experiencing this? Yeah, that's a really tough thing. I've been asked that question before when I've given presentations. And um, just like, first of all, understanding the red flags. If you think someone's going through something and then taking action once you see that, I think the most important thing you should do is just be there for your friend. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you understand the resources. So for students on campus, we have the Women and Gender Resource Center. We also have the SAFE Center. And um, being able to relay that information to your friend is very important. But sometimes they're not gonna wanna use those resources. Sometimes they're not gonna take the steps that you want them to take. So the most important thing you can do is be there and if need be, contact a professional, contact the Women and Gender Resource Center to see if you need to do anything else to take some more steps. Because sometimes when you're not a trained therapist or not a trained advocate, you don't know exactly what to say. And so having somewhere there, someone there to guide you really helps with that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And it, it reminds me of um, actually, a year ago, we did a podcast episode with Nisha, one of our victim advocates, and we were talking about uh, what it's like to be a secondary survivor, so what it's like to have a loved one who's experiencing domestic violence or intimate partner violence or has been through a sexual assault. Um, and uh, she gave a lot of really good information about how to be the supportive person in that instance, Um uh, but I think that one of the most valuable things that she talked about that the Resource Center offers is that if you do know somebody who's going through that, you don't have to try and figure it out on your own, how you're going to be a supportive person. Like you can call and, um, and get somebody like Nisha to sit down with you and talk about what this person's options are and how you can be supportive and how to, you know, um, how to give them the information that they need. And, and also, you know, what, what do you do if you offer resources and you try and help and that person turns you down like how do you continue to be that supportive person in their life um and so yeah I'm so so glad that you talked about that all right um and then let's uh let's kind of like take a broader view of advocacy what does advocacy for um people who are survivors of interpersonal or intimate partner violence look like on a large scale. So we've done like that personal one-on-one -on -one version. What does it look like on a larger scale? When there's a lot of attention on a certain issue, that's when change starts to get made. That's when leg legislation comes in. That's when we change our Title IX laws, whatever it may be. So on the large scale, it's just a lot of people coming together and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for awareness. We're looking for people to start speaking up and giving a platform to this problem because it is so widespread. And so on the large scale, what we're really looking for is just a lot of people coming together. And that's what Sexual Assault Awareness Month is all about, is coming together to use our voices. Thank you. All right. Um, and so I want to ask you some questions about uh, I guess the way that we approach conversations about intimate partner violence and stalking and sexual assault and all of this. Um, so we hear a lot of conversations about the prevention of things like sexual assault and domestic violence. And sometimes those conversations, you know, can be positive and productive, but sometimes they can be harmful. Um, can you speak to how some of these conversations about sexual assault prevention can unintentionally cause more harm than good? You know, I've been told 
from a young age. And I'm sure a lot of other people have this resonate with them, like to keep my keys between my fingers when I'm walking, not to walk alone at night. I have my keychain pepper spray, pepper spray actually right next to me. And this can put all of the responsibility on the shoulders of the victim or survivor. Mm-hmm. And that's not the point of this movement. The point of the movement is not to tell someone what they should have been doing or why it happened. We're telling them that this is a bigger systematic problem and that we should be working on prevention on the side of the perpetrator and not on the side of the victim. And we should be also working on giving resources to survivors that they can utilize. And we really need to take the blame off the shoulders of the victim because many, many survivors blame themselves right off the bat because of all of these things that we're saying to them. Because we internalize all of it. We internalize these court cases where we hear the other side blaming the woman. Mm -hmm. We hear these court cases and we start to say those own things to ourselves. And so starting to take the blame off the woman and put it on the perpetrator is a step in the right direction of prevention that is actually sustainable. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, and kind of in that vein, can you, can you tell me how some tips for how we can have productive, supportive conversations surrounding prevention of sexual assault? Like what are some examples of what that looks like? Yeah, yeah. I think um, really taking the blame off is the best thing that you can do to have a productive conversation because many survivors are used to feeling that blame from the moment it happened. And that conversation, if if you are blaming someone for something that happened to them, will not be productive from start to finish if you're putting that on them. And so I think the best way to talk about this is to... um, talk about the root of the issue and to talk about prevention from that side. And additionally, I think a lot of survivors feel that um, they're getting left behind once this happens to them and they're just left with this blame and nothing after the fact. So conversations about resources and helping existing survivors rather than just prevention are also helpful conversations to have. Thank you. Yeah, I completely agree. One thing I think that comes out of this that can be a very positive thing is when organizations and resource centers will utilize uh, bystander intervention training as a way of um, kind of combating this, especially on pl- in places like college campuses where uh, where we see this happen so um, so frequently because, like you said, everybody is, you know, it's all of these people coming from different places and we're in this small space and learning how to have relationships and friendships without, uh, without like parental supervision for the first time. So there's nobody who's going to make sure that you're home at 11 and, and stuff like that. Can you speak to some tips for effective bystander intervention? Somebody is listening and they would like to engage in this as a part of their personal advocacy. What does it look like to be, um, what does it look like to utilize bystander intervention? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think like the bystander effect in itself is important to talk about here is when we're in these large groups and we're all watching something bad happen at once, everyone thinks that someone else is going to step up and no one does. So having the initiative and wanting to step up is the first step. And then 
Next, I would, I would recommend um, shutting down harmful conversations on this topic. I think that there's a lot of jokes that are made and a lot of like harmful comments about women and people in general that should be shut down but aren't. And if you're listening to this and you're like wondering about what you should do, just shutting down harmful conversations is like step number one. Um, I think I hear a lot of things too, especially just being at college where the culture surrounding like quote unquote hookup culture and stuff like that can lead to some very harmful language and understanding consent. And even when it's a joke, keeping that in mind is so important. And then I think you should also, I'll say it again, be there for your friends. Um, if you think your friend is going through something or you see someone even who's not a friend that you think is going through something, just being there for them, letting them know the resources and supporting them is a very important thing you, you can do from just being there to being an advocate. Wonderful, thank you. So let's, let's take a minute and uh, talk a little bit about resources that are available to survivors in the area. Can you tell us um, if, if somebody listening is a survivor or a victim of intimate partner violence or sexual assault, um, and or if somebody listening has somebody in their life that they love who is a, a survivor or a victim, um, can you speak to the resources that are available for folks at UA and, and in the Tuscaloosa area? Yeah. Um, I will always plug the Women and Gender Resource Center, first and foremost. Um, we have free, confidential, and voluntary counseling for survivors and secondary survivors, and that includes UA student, faculty, and staff, also anyone that has been victimized on the UA campus, and um, people in Shel who go to Shelton State. So we cover a lot of people in the Tuscaloosa area, we also have the Tuscaloosa Safe Center, which is available, which is for like in the moment, in the crisis, they have um, sexual assault examination nurses and people who can be there for you when you need it right after something has happened. And then broader, we have the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is a great resource. They also do texting and just Googling any of those things, you can find all the information about them. If you wanna just take that first step and you are a part of the UA community, um, just giving the, the Women and Gender Resource Center a call is the best step you can take. They'll walk you through it from there. And um, just taking care of yourself and your friends is such an important thing. So keep that phone number in mind. I have it in my phone just in case. And um, you can also call 24 seven to UAPD. The WGRC has a 24-7 on-call victim advocate who you can call from UAPD. Just call them, say, I want to talk to the WGRC, and they'll connect you right over. Thank you. Oh, that's great. Um, and then um, last but certainly not least, if anybody's listening today and they want to get more involved um, in advocacy and support of survivors and victims of sexual assault, what are some resources that you think they should check out? Yes, um, there's a lot of foundations for this. I actually follow a lot of accounts on Instagram, like um, No More, Break the Cycle, 
you can find a million organizations on Instagram that have amazing resources. And then if you want to get involved in the UA community, we have um, Turning Point, which is a shelter. We have the Safe Center and, of course, the WGRC, which is where most of my involvement stems from. And just keeping up with events that are happening is super important. Like, yeah, so tonight is an event called Take Back the Night, which is a walk on the quad for um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And so going to events like this and keeping up with what the WGRC is doing and also other different resources like that is just a great step in the right direction of starting to be an advocate and helping contribute to ending this. Wonderful. Thank you for all of that information. Um, and as always, folks, if you're listening, I will post any resources and links in the show notes. So don't feel like you've got to do a whole bunch of Googling and find us. We will have everything posted there so you can find it easily. Um, and then, Rachel, this has been wonderful. And before you go, is there anything else that you want to tell folks? Um, I think the biggest thing that I'd like to get across is just to take the initiative and start listening to survivors and listening to places like the WGRC or No More or all these different organizations that are doing work because what they're looking for most of all is your awareness. And that is what Sexual Assault Awareness Month is all about. Awesome, thank you so much. Well, Rachel, this has been fantastic. Uh, it's been great to get to talk with you and I will, I'll see you later tonight to take back the nights. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, thanks for having me. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks for coming on the show today, Rachel, and thank you everyone for listening in. As always, if there's a topic you'd like to learn more about or a person you think we should speak with, you can send your suggestions and requests to me via email at easmith11 at ua.edu. If you're listening in today and you appreciate the content we're putting out, don't forget to give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by the Women and Gender Resource Center at the University of Alabama. The mission of the WGRC is to address gender inequity and foster a community that values social justice, safety, leadership, mentoring, education, multiculturalism, partnership, and research. This is accomplished by gender-related outreach, advocacy, and support to individuals and communities of all identities. If you'd like to learn more about the programs and resources our office provides, check us out on Facebook or Instagram at at UAWGRC, or at our website, wgrc.sa.ua.edu.